Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Peter Voss. He's the uh, CEO and chief scientist at a company called IGO, A-I-G-O. Website is AIGO.ai. Peter, how are you today? Great. Thank you. How are you? Very good. So tell me about IGO. What's the uh, idea of the company? So IGO is uh, revolutionizing personal assistance. So right now, we really don't have personal assistance uh, at all. Um, I mean, what we have is chatbots that really aren't very smart. And also, they are not personal because we don't control them. They don't belong to us. Uh, we don't control the data that they have. We don't control what information is shared. And they really don't learn and adapt So you know, to our own needs. So they, and, and that's, that's what we, we've developed over the last 15 years, uh, technology that uh, allows us to have a truly intelligent and hyper-personalized assistant. Yeah, it sounds like definitely chatbots have a long way to go. I agree with my experiences with them. They're pretty, I mean, they're pretty lame and limited. So what, are you making a super chatbot uh, and more advanced version that works better, or is your premise different from that? Right, exactly. Well, uh, you know, I hate to call um, IGO a chatbot <laughs> because <laughs> we uh, we really sort of light years ahead of the chatbot technology. And, and let me expand a little bit on that. So uh, the current chatbots that are out there, you know, the, uh, IGO, uh, the uh, Alexa and Siri and um, Google and, and so on, um, they all use uh, sort of very simple statistical uh, technology. And the problem is, a, they don't have memory. They don't remember what you said two minutes ago, never mind what you said yesterday or last week. Um, so they don't have memory. They don't learn interactively. Even if I say something as simple, you know, my I have a sister called Barbara or something, you know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't remember that. They don't really have uh, any level, depth of understanding. So, for example, if I say, call me Uber, it will, you know, pop up the Uber app or call Uber. Uh, but if I say I hate Uber, it'll still pop up the Uber app. So there really isn't, it's just statistical matching. You know, does this sound like, uh, oh, I think you want Uber because you said something about Uber. So they don't have right. a deep understanding. Um, you know, so no memory, no learning, no deep understanding. They can't explain themselves. They can't reason. So you really can't have a meaningful ongoing conversation with these uh, chatbots. Um, and that's because of the technology that they use. Um, so what we've been, um, in, you know, perfecting and, and improving over the last 15 years is technology that inherently has a cognitive architecture that works more the way our brain does, our mind does, that does have memory, uh, deeper understanding that can learn immediately interactively, that can reason, and therefore you can have ongoing conversations and it learns and adapts to, to you and learns your goals and you know, preferences. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You make the chatbots sound like politicians. They have no memory, no understanding, no nothing, you know? <laughs> yes, I heard that analogy, but yes, uh, I may use that in the future. So, all right, yeah, a lot of the features you spoke about I hadn't thought of. That's pretty cool. So what, um, do you have an example of your product yet and how would it interact differently? Or do you just have a vision right now on 
on how yeah, it will interact differently. Right, absolutely. So, <clears throat> so the problem of of natural language understanding and having conversations is, is is really a very hard one. I mean, language is quite complex, and so I I actually spent um, when I when I sold my 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 first big company, uh, I spent five years just doing basic research on on how to how to build these thinking learning uh, machines, and then uh, in about two thousand one. We started developing various prototypes and developing a platform. Uh, in 2001, I actually also coined the term AGI, artificial general intelligence, together with two other people, uh, which is you know taking artificial intelligence to this kind of level of thinking and learning and remembering. Um, so uh, by 2008, we had developed the technology sufficiently uh, to actually commercialize it in the in the call center space. So um, that's a company called Smart Action uh, that I formed, uh, and Smart Action now is serving uh, clients like AAA and uh, um, um, MGM hotels. So the Bellagio is using it. But if you break down the side of the road, you'll be talking to one of our first generation, one of our early. Uh, I go and will help you help you on the side of the road. So what we can offer with our technology is is a much much better experience. Normally, when you call into a call center and you end up talking to a computer, to you know people just want to get out and just press here and you know get me to a live person. But with our right. technology, it actually understands you in natural language. It remembers what you said earlier, so you can have a you know you have a much much better experience. So this was our first commercialization of this uh, this product in in the call center, and you know that's ongoing. Smart Action is now about 100 people. But for the last five years, um, I've been uh, with a new new company with Igo.ai. We've been essentially in stealth mode, taking this technology to the next level and making, you know, uh, allowing it to have much longer conversation, much more complex conversations. Uh, and we are now ready to commercialize it as a Personal, what we call a personal personal assistant, um, which a is much smarter than the current chatbots, but also importantly, um, you own it and you control it, and that's why we call it a personal personal assistant. So the word personal here is is, is really key. Uh, in three different meanings of the word. The first one is uh, it's your personal property. You own it. You own it, and you own your data. The second thing, it's personalized, it's customized to you. So it learns your preferences, your goals, uh, your history, and it gets better and better over time. So it fits like a glove, unlike the current chatbots, which are a one, one size fits all. And then the, the third meaning of, of personal is that it's personal in the sense of this is personal information, this is private. So you decide what you want Igo to share with whom. Some things you may share with your colleagues, other things with your family, some things you want to brag about to the world, and some things should just be between you and Igo. So that's really how our uh, application is, is just completely, uh, you know, completely different from the, the, the current experience. It's, it's much smarter, mm. and it's truly you own and control it. Yeah, that's interesting. Um... I guess what you would own is, I mean, you own the architecture being the developer of it, but I would own a personalized version of Igo once I start personalizing it. So I, I own that part of it, right? Exactly. Yes. So there's a, there's a, essentially a copy of our software, uh, that, you know, you, you own. And if, you know, if you want to delete it at some point, you would just, you know, go and delete it and be gone. 
Um, so we don't we won't sell or share your data. It, you know, so it's 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 truly truly yours in in the sense that you control it. Um, now, of course, uh, we do encourage people to take a backup of it because if you wake up the next morning and say, "Oh no, I didn't mean to delete my ego. Give me back my ego," <laughs> you know, when you wake up sober, <laughs> so uh, you obviously can restore ego from from your backup. But yes, that's that's. What did idea. you um What did you notice from the uh the lower level personalization that you did, you know, if you, with the AAA, you get stuck on the side of the road, someone calls in, you know, what did you notice? Did people like uh, think it was a person? Did they know it was a computer, but they were able well, to work with it better? Yeah, that's, that's actually, a, you know, a very good question because, um, you know, Google a few months ago gave a presentation of their, their duplex technology um, where they did a call, you know, to uh, book an appointment somewhere and, they added ums and ahs in there to sort of make it sound like a person. I, I personally believe that's not a very good thing to do. Uh, I think you should always be very um, straightforward and uh, explain very open about saying, no, this is a computer you're talking to, albeit a, a very smart and capable computer. So I don't think you should try and fool people um, in, into you know, saying it's, this is, um, that you're talking to, to a person. And our experience is that people don't mind at all talking to a computer if it gets the job done efficiently. They just want to, you know, they call in, they want to get something done. Um, so our, my, my recommendation is always to be upfront about that it is a computer, but the system just needs to be very good, very capable. Um, yeah, that, that's, I, I think, sort of a philosophical difference where some companies are actually trying to fool you into thinking you're talking to a human. Uh, well, they probably confuse that with with the end result people want. Like you said, your experience is that people are fine to talk to a computer as long as it handles their transaction efficiently and understands, which I agree yeah. with, you know. Yeah, um, and, and, and in fact, it goes further than that. We have also experienced that uh, for for certain types of things, you know, if somebody just wants to find out the, the order status or, or, or something, they actually prefer using a computer because they don't actually, a lot of people feel, I don't want to bother a human with something that maybe I should be looking up online anyway or something that I should I should do. So it actually can work the other way around that people actually prefer uh, using a, a computerized system, A, not to bother a person, and B, sometimes things are like maybe a little embarrassed about whatever they're calling about, you know, so... Um, that it, yeah. it's kind of an interesting dynamic which we didn't necessarily anticipate when we started doing this. Well, what about um, AI assistance to customer service people? So, if I do call it to a customer service person, that customer service person I would think should definitely have access to AI so they can answer some of those questions that they happen to get asked live really quickly. Uh, have the AI step that, in and help them. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of applications where you're using an assistant, um, you know, yeah, just to, to basically be able to give better service. That's def definitely uh, one of the applications that we're also looking at, yeah. Hmm. So again, what, what did you notice with the AAA example or other examples like that? What, what kind of feedback did you get on uh, on your technology? Oh, I, I mean, you know, when, when it works seamlessly, and, um, you know, people just get the job done. They're, they're just very happy, you know. So we, we do get a lot of compliments. And, you know, ultimately you measure that. Uh, you, you can, you know, get very strong metric, uh, metrics on that. 
by seeing how many people try to press zero to talk to an operator, uh, you know, how many calls are completed successfully where, you know, basically they get exactly done what they want in a very efficient manner. And, you know, and those, those metrics are, you know, just look, look very good with the right kind of system. All right. And then what about the uh, personalized AI? What, what kind of tasks would it help you do? And what, what, the, what does the personalization do? Right. So, um, yeah, let me, let me just uh, sort of backtrack on, on, on one thing. Um, one of the key differences between our personal personal assistant and the current chatbots, is, and that's really key, is the current chatbots are designed by the mega corporations to serve their agenda. They're not designed to serve your agenda. You know, they're inherently designed uh, to, you know, give you more, improve the click rate, you know, give you, push you more ads, push more ads to you or to sell you more stuff in the case of Amazon or to keep you in their walled garden as, you know, for Apple or for all of them, really. Um, so they really don't serve your agenda by, but by having a personal, personal assistant, you know, it, it, it would, rec- uh, you know, if you ask it for a recommendation, it would then um, could recommend an, uh, an, an iPhone, iPhone for you, but it could also recommend an Android for, for you, you know, depending whatever is better for you, or to buy something at Amazon or to buy something at, at Walmart. That's the whole idea of having a personal, personal assistant is that it serves your agenda. Now, the kind of things that we, we're doing, our core functionality uh, that, that we, we have at this point is you know to help you with sort of uh, reminders and calendars and help you with with email to answer questions for you uh, and then we are adding many many um, interfaces and applications to to current apps and we're actually creating a whole ecosystem um, with we're actually doing a, a token sale of igo tokens uh, right now uh, to build a community of people who will use igo but also create additional skills for IGO because you can teach IGO in natural language. So for example, if you, um, if you have the skill of helping people manage their stress, then uh, you could teach IGO in natural language how to help somebody manage their stress. You know, it might, IGO might remind you a few times during the day, hey, how are you doing? And then, you know, it might, I don't know, guide you to do breathing exercises or listen to classical music or whatever. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert in that, that field. Um, or somebody could be good at helping a, a startup uh, business or somebody could have the knowledge of uh, how to plan a wedding. And they can teach IGO those skills. And within our ecosystem, they can then offer that in our IGO store to other people. So this whole community of contributing skills to IGO uh, so think of it like Wikipedia, where you have domain experts contributing to a common pool. In our case, it would be domain experts contributing to the the skill level, the skills and and, and knowledge that IGO has, but they get compensated for it, unlike uh, Wikipedia. So we'll you know we'll just basically uh, very rapidly grow the the repertoire of capabilities that IGO has. Well, something I was thinking about. Um... In order for IGO, in order for you to have the latest version, or in order for IGO's AI to be able to, you know, learn better and train and all that, you would have to push updates to my personalized AI, for instance. So, how do you keep my data private yet make sure that, you know, the software is still connected to maybe your servers so it can be updated, troubleshooted, patched? You know, I can right. take advantage of the learning from other people, et cetera, that kind of stuff. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, very, very good question. So, yes, there's obviously always uh, uh, a uh, some some trade-off in uh, in terms of you know how disconnected your system is from from others. So, uh, we think that the the sensible way of doing it is to to have IGO run in the cloud because you really want to have IGO available wherever you are. Um, you know, from from your computer, from your phone, potentially from a home speaker in your car, ultimately. Um, so you, you really want IGO uh, uh, running in the cloud. And what you have is sort of, you could think of IGO as being um, three concentric circles where the inner circle are the core capabilities that IGO has. And that's language capabilities, knowing about people and places, uh, you know, general, general knowledge, basically, and general skills. And that's the core functionality that we keep improving and increasing. And... Um, that those improvements are periodically made available to 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 everybody to increase everybody's skills then sort of the next circle out are the additional skills that other people provide for igo you know like the wedding planner or the stress management or, or whatever and that you basically will download from the store and add to your to your igo so those are the skills and then the outer circle is your unique personal information that is there. And that, that is not shared with anybody else. Um, you know, that's, that's yours privately. If you want to contribute, uh, you know, knowledge and sk uh, skills to the community, then you, you could do that explicitly. But that also has to go through some kind of a, a QA process. You know, we wouldn't just want, uh, obviously we can't just have, have people willy-nilly uh, teaching the core IGO stuff. You know, with, without it, without it going through a quality, um, a, a stringent quality assurance process. But wouldn't you want to ongoingly take advantage of anonymized data for certain tasks? Like, you know, let's say you you have uh, ten thousand users that are all mm -hmm. training. I go to uh, schedule appointments for them in Google right. Calendar or something. You know, yeah. I, I would be sure like you'd want to take an anonymized form of that data. And have yes, the permission oh, to use it, so IGO can get really good at it. But the person's specific data is protected, at least. Correct. Yes. No. Uh, we we will certainly use statistical uh, information from the way people use the system. I mean, we need to we need to know, you know, what holds there on IGO's knowledge and and so on. So certainly, we will use anonymized data to improve IGO, but we will not share or sell that data. So yes, absolutely, it makes sense for us to. Um, use it to to improve the functionality. Okay. So, what modules are in production right now? Uh, where are you at with the project? Or you know, right. do you have a so, certain number of users using it, or you're not there yet? Right. Yeah. Uh, no. As far as the second generation that we've been basically we've been in stealth for the last five years, uh, just improving the technology, and we're just in the process of uh, closing our funding round now for for the the new commercial venture. Uh, that goes beyond call center applications. And uh, so as soon as we close the funding round, which we expect to do in the next few weeks, uh, we'll, we'll be uh, putting together our commercial team and we'll start uh, making it available to the first beta users uh, two months from now. So late, later this year, we will start uh, rolling out the product. But uh, right now we you know, have a development team of uh, 12 people that have been on the project for you know, basically the last five years. And uh, but we basically have to, uh, you know, have obviously a support uh, support team and a team to help with the scaling and the rollout uh, of the product. And that's basically that'll be happening soon. 
Yeah, I know you don't want to give away the secret sauce, but can you give some details on, on what some of the features will be for the beta program users? Um, so we, as, as I mentioned, we're building, building out um, the, the, the community um, that will help to contribute to the skills. And we are looking at actually several partnerships that we have. We've announced two partnerships. We are also targeting some specific use cases that we will sort of test market and see, you know, where people have, uh, where we can get the, the, the most traction, where people get, get the most benefit. Because obviously we have to change people's behavior in, in terms of trying to use these free chatbots that, you know, you're selling your soul and they're very limited versus having a dedicated personal personal assistant that they will have to pay for. But it'll, you know, they'll they'll be getting a, a value for it. So um, the one of the, the partnerships we've already announced is uh, for a company that actually did a uh, did an ICO earlier this year uh, in the um, event ticketing space. You know, trying to deal with uh, eliminating scalpers so that the, mm. the the artists can be sure that the tickets actually go to their to their fan base. So they have this blockchain-based system to to do that. And they're partnering with us to uh, bring Igo into the put Igo into the loop, so that Igo will know what kind of performers you like. Um, you know, w- whether you go by yourself or with how, ma- how many people you typically go with, your preferred venues and seating. Igo will also know if you're traveling to another city. You could recommend that maybe your some some of your favorite performers are actually performing in that city. Um, so Igo will have that uh, sort. of personal management for, for your events, but you can imagine that obviously from there, it can very quickly grow to managing your calendar and reminders and, 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 uh, and then you know, getting Uber and hotels and things for you. So that's one, uh, one of the areas we, we are really committed to uh, developing. And then we're also thinking about potentially for crypto traders to have an assistant for them, because it's obviously a space we're targeting with our token sale. Um, we have another uh, application in, in mind that we want, want to test is as a family butler because um, actually there are a lot of you know families that have kids at school and the kids are always off doing some you know soccer practice or whatever it might be and then they uh, you know might uh, might stay stay overnight with a friend or whatever and basically coordinating family activities that everybody in the family knows what everybody else is doing you know are we having dinner together tonight or you know uh, and what time and oh i'm delayed or you know pick up pick up the kids on the way home and having this sort of personalized uh, family um, butler essentially that's that's another idea we we're pursuing and yeah there's some others that i'm that are still uh, sort of private they're just between me and i go <laughs> so. why is the current state of the art the chatbots and things like that just so lame you know is it just because the it, we've only had computing power to have this high level of customization usefulness recently or yeah. is there other reasons no there are other reasons and it's it's actually very very interesting and of course our uh, our investors always ask that question uh, well like why can how can you hope to compete with these these big companies surely they could do the same thing and uh, well, actually, yes, in theory they they could, but uh, practice not. So for a number of reasons, a they're not in the business of providing personal personal assistance. They're in the business of using those chatbots to further their main business. So you know, like I like I mentioned earlier, you wouldn't really want Siri to recommend that you go and buy an Android. 
but that's what you'd expect a personal assistant to do, you know, or uh, Alexa to tell you to go and uh, buy at Walmart. So it's it's not in their interest to actually provide this kind of thing. That's one one reason. The second reason is um, that big data, machine learning, you know, these companies all have a lot of data, a lot of processing power. So that's the hammer they've got. So everything to them looks like a nail. So they try mm. to solve everything with statistical approaches, big data approaches. We don't actually have to program the, the system. You don't have to give it that intelligence. You just throw enough data at it and it kind of works, statistically speaking. But you have exactly the problems that I mentioned. If you say, I hate Uber, it'll still think that, well, you know, you want to call Uber. So these statistical approaches are fine for in increasing the click rate and, and you know, sentiment analysis and improving speech recognition itself and image recognition. So they, they're very valuable. They, they work, you know, if, you, if they can increase a click rate by half a percent, it's probably worth billions. Um, so the, the, the approach that they have, and DARPA calls is the second wave of AI, these statistical uh, systems, that's what they focused on. And all the people they hire are experts at machine learning, deep learning, statistical systems. Uh, in fact, it's become so successful over the last five years that if you want to do a PhD in AI, it pretty much has to be in uh, statistical systems. Or you want to earn the big bucks, it has to be in statistical, you know, deep learning. So it's like the air has been sucked, uh, the oxygen has been sucked out of the air as far as AI, other AI approaches. Now, DARPA is calling for what we need as a third wave of AI, which are cognitive architectures that you know, systems that actually can learn and reason, learn interactively uh, and, and reason and have memory and a deeper understanding. Uh, and that's basically what, what I came up with 20 years ago and we've been working on, but it's very, very few people are working on it. So you have on the one hand, they don't have the motivation to um, produce a personal, personal assistant. And secondly, right. they just fundamentally using the wrong technology because that technology works for to further their their, their business. Um, there's actually a third kind of interesting dynamic here is to truly design systems in the third wave of AI to build cognitive architectures. Um, to get that to work, what, what I've discovered is you need to have people that can think like cognitive psychologists. They need to be able to understand the problem of cognition from not just a programmer's point of view, but from a cognitive psychologist's point of view. What, is, what are the elements of thinking, of cognition, of you know, reasoning, of concept formation, and all of those? So you need to be able to think of it, think about the problem at a high level, like a, from a cognitive psychology perspective, but then you also need to have the skills to be able to implement it. So you need to have the engineering skills. And the overlap of people who are good at both disciplines is, uh, you know, it's a small subsection. Most good software engineers uh, think like mathematicians, like logicians. Right. They don't, they're not comfortable thinking like cognitive psychologists. And most cognitive psychologists don't think like engineers. Yeah, I guess you need both on a team. I don't know if you'll find it within the same person, but, uh, you know, uh, Well, actually, you, you actually do. In fact, our team, we, we call, we, we call, uh, I kind of invented the, the profession, we call them AI psychologists. Oh. Uh, so people on our team exactly have those skills, and and you, you really need that in order to uh, to to implement this successfully. Yeah, it's weird. I guess in order for AI to advance at at this point or all along the path, you know, you need uh, you need to make it. I guess like you said, you need to understand the cognition. You need to make it more like how people would think, not just you know raw brute force of calculation. 
That, that's exactly that right. Like, yeah. Okay. So the last, it's an interesting perspective. I can tell you've been thinking about this for a long time. Because, yeah, I guess from what I've heard from other people is that, you know, the last few years, and there's been an uptick in the raw, like, brute force computational ability, but the other stuff's missing. So I understand. Right, right. It's a kind of, you know, the, the, the oxygen's been sucked out of the air with just the amount of money. I mean, incredible. You know, people are getting million-dollar sign-up bonuses for machine learning, deep learning, because it is so valuable to these big companies to improve their statistics. Um, so it's, it's uh, you know, you, you really have very few people try, even trying to solve the problem of cognition right now. Okay, well, very good. So what, what's the best way for people to uh, maybe sign up for the beta group? I don't know if it's full or to, you know, to find out uh, more about IGO and Interact. Yes, uh, yes, you can, you can actually sign up for... Um, for a, a serial number, an early serial number of IGO, a low serial number, but uh, basically simply by going going to uh, our uh, IGO.ai website, there there is a, a button there to to sign up, and you and you know you'll be you'll get some email then informing you how to how to get your serial number, and I've also published a lot of the things I've been talking about. I've, I've published quite a lot of articles on Medium.com, so yeah. you know. My, my name Peter Voss on Medium. You'll find that there's also a link on our website to to my articles. Well, that's great. Thanks, thanks, Peter, for not only resources but also uh, you know for the upcoming beta program. So, well, very good. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, and I appreciate your time. Well, great. Thanks for having me, and um, I, I hope you'll be become one of our early IGO users. So. <laughs> you have been listening to Almost Here. Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.